Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Biff Pow Bam, uh, where this week we'll be wrapping up our look at the 70s to noughties Superman franchise with what was actually the fourth film released, 1984 Supergirl. Joining me tonight are, as usual, Paul. Hello. Josh. Hello there. And our recurring guest star, Craig. Up, up and away. <laughs> Evening, gents. Hope you're well. All yeah. good, Sal. All oh, good. Good. Right, so as we know, I'm steering this one tonight, probably for a couple of reasons. Um, confession up front, I've always had a bit of a soft spot for this film. Uh, having first seen it on telly in the late 80s and being instantly smitten by Helen Slater. <laughs> Don't blame you. My word. Uh, yep, one of my early screen crushes. Uh, and also, as you saw from the fact early, one of my earliest cosplays from conventions, as Paul would have said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But man, man, those thighs. <laughs> wow. uh, interestingly, I was just having a look online. <laughs> I'm looking before we started. This film has a IMDb rating of 4.4 out of 10 and a 9% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> um, but bizarrely, 4.4 out of 5 on Amazon. I guess a bit more less disconcerting perhaps on Amazon. Well, it's Amazon. Like, they they just put assume, the ratings up just so people watch anything. You've got to assume that people have gone on onto Amazon to specifically find it. So they're going to give it a good rating, aren't they? <laughs> if they're looking for it. Yeah. Then... yeah. Except for us. Yeah. Clearly, yeah, it's it's four it's four point four out of five of like two reviews, and it, that's an average. <laughs> Probably, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. It was um, budget, four point four um, is a, is about where I'm going to put it. To be fair, oh, I'm lower. So it's going to be interesting to see what you guys thought of it. I'll, I'll chip in with my bits at the end. Just a couple of quick stats from the the, the budget for it was thirty five million, but it only did about fourteen point three at the US box office. Um, and actually got released here in July 84 as a royal film premiere. Wow. Oh, dear God. No wonder uh, Princess Diana divorced them. <laughs> uh, it didn't get its US release till November 84. I was looking and apparently they originally wanted it to get a, a summer holiday release in the States, but that, that was the only slot was summer in mid-July. And so they released it for the Christmas period. Uh, and also, Warners didn't release it. It went to TriStar. Yeah. So, basically, I only came back to Warner Brothers in years to, in, in years to come. <laughs> they obviously sort of dodged a bullet at the time. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and there are two versions knocking around. I think we're, we're talking about tonight just the standard international release version, though. I've got the Blu-ray, and there's a, there's a DVD, basically, with the director's cut, which was found in some vaults years later. Um, but only sort of sits on DVD, apparently, because of the quality of the original print. That's all they could do with it. In that case, then, right, so, if you've um, if you've seen, have you seen both cuts? No, I haven't yet. I'm, so, but I just had a quick look online, and, and a lot of the, the cuts apparently are, are related to the sort of um, some of the scenes with with um, Faye Dunaway and bits and pieces of stuff. It's probably. Oh, I was, like was going to say, is one better than the other or something? Like, because if they are, I might give the directors one a go. Yeah, I, I what I do plan to do when we finish it is try and watch it at some point this week, just whilst it's still fresh, and see how, how it compares. Right. You often find with a lot of these things that it adds up to a lot, but sometimes in scenes it isn't really a lot within the scene. Oh, okay. Um, and of course, the other big thing about the film's failure it led to the Sulkins dumping the rights on the Canon Group in '86. <laughs> uh, so that's part of its legacy as well. Um, 
so yeah, so I thought I'd open it up to you guys. Maybe we should start with our, our very own squirt, Josh. <laughs> um, well, to be honest, I I really didn't like this film. Um, it's just so disjointed and the pacing is all over the place and it's absolutely hysterical how any of the executives at Tristar or Warner Brothers or even if they sat and watched it together could have sat and watched that before they sent it out to theatres and gone yeah that's good stick it in the uh, in the theatres <laughs> it's it's I mean I don't use this word often for films but it was an absolute shit show it is God awful. I mean, the, I think the only good thing about it is like the costume and Helen Slater. And I won't, I really don't mean to insult your crush, Tony, but that is at a push. Helen Slater, I, I'm sure she's a fine actress and other things, but she comes across as like a, she should be playing a three year old. <laughs> she, she just finds everything amazing. And yet, okay, she's come from another planet, but. I mean, what? It just really annoyed me. <laughs> <laughs> like that kid in the fashion. Hey, Earth, brilliant! Yeah, I mean, <laughs> oh. Do you want to tell you what else bu- bugged me? It was the fact that uh, she loses the, the orb thing that is, and just like flies out the window for no reason. I think, I think it was a <laughs> suicidal dragonfly or something. And she 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 just decides to go after it, and her mum and dad are downstairs with Peter O'Toole saying, "Oh, uh, this city's gonna die in a matter of days." But yet, when she gets to Earth, she decides to go to school and hook up <laughs> with guys, and then decides to go mm. after the little spinny orb thing. Just like this film, just makes no sense to me. That is like basically my final thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> Rant over. Okay, well, we'll come back to you for your score in a bit. Um, yeah. Craig? This film is utter shite. <laughs> in every sense of the word. Her uncle is a fucking buffoon. Um, they're living on a piece of planet that has got uh, cellophane to keep the atmosphere in. <laughs> And a dragonfly can burst a window and suck the powerball out and everything's going to die. It is apps when she gets to Earth, she is the most pathetic version of any superhero I've ever seen in my yeah. life. If she is a car crash, the the villain in it is a witch. Come on. You know, this is but- it's so sexist. Everything about this film is wrong. Well, yeah, funny she said there's that there is that really weird scene when she first arrives in Midvale and she's wandering down the street. And so and oh, Max Headroom tries rapists. to attack her. Yeah. Max Headroom. It's one yeah. Matt Frewer. The, the, and it's just first, bizarre because you're thinking, well, don't the, you guys well, know who she is? Who does she look like? The first the first interaction with humans, right, is two rapists. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. And then fast forward to um, the, the, the the digger chasing this fella down the street <laughs> who's got a love potion in him. And so it was a little bit... Del- and it was like, whoa, just, this is pathetic. 
everything. I mean, right. I went to see this in video club in school. Wow. <laughs> I can remember this, right? Wow. And I, it was the same time that I would have seen Popeye as well. Uh, but it was just... It doesn't get better. It gets worse <laughs> as the film goes on. It There's, there's no redeeming features. You know, um, poor Jimmy Olsen. Why did he sign up to this? He needed the money, obviously. All the girls in this film want to do, it, it just reminds me of American Pie. They just want to <laughs> fall in love and kiss boys. Even Supergirl <laughs> wants to fall in love and kiss a boy. And she falls in love with a 40-year-old man, for God's sake. I mean, does anyone know who that guy actually is? It's Hart Bochner, who was um, Ellis in Die Hard. Yeah, Ellis in Die Hard. And was also in The Winds of War or the second series. One of the two might be in the second series. Yeah. But, I mean, I think someone put in the group, she's 21 in real life when this was made, but she's playing a teenage girl and she's mm. head over in heels in love with this Al fella. And yeah, it's really weird, weird. And then um, Tingy, uh, the other one, uh, Lois Lane. Lane's, sister, yeah. Yeah, she just wants to get fucking felt up at the first opportunity. And <laughs> Do you know who she is? Go on. She was in another shit spin-off. She was in Grease 2. Oh, oh that's where Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> so she really didn't have a lot of luck. No, really didn't. seriously, didn't after, Gre- after Greece 2 and this, I'd have just ended my acting career and gone and worked in Mackey's. I mean, really, the, I would have. The, the two, there's two big, massive, giant actors in this film um, Peter O'Toole and Peter Cook. Both of these men, what were they thinking? Did they have a tax bill to pay off or something? <laughs> well, my notes were that. Peter Cook was actually probably one of the best actors in this. And that, yeah. that's, that's saying push. something. Peter, because... Peter O'Toole looked like he turned up after a weekend on the booze. <laughs> yeah. He <looks laughs> like he's most on... of well, it. He's, still drinking, he's still drinking in the film. Yeah. <laughs> Peter Cook is, is the best thing in this film because he, he's almost breaking the fourth wall and overacting and looking at the camera and going, yeah, I'm doing this. I mean, this must be around <laughs> the time where him and Dudley Moore have gone their separate ways. Dudley Moore yeah, is well, about... Yeah, 384. Yeah, so he's about to explode with the Santa Claus movie, isn't he? Yeah, and, and Arthur. And Arthur, Which again, yeah. The producers, of course. And Peter Cook doesn't really recover from that. Um, and he certainly doesn't recover from this. So, I mean, this could have been something special. And I don't, the Supergirl has got a taint and a stench on it that even in the Flash universe now, I can't be arsed watching Supergirl <laughs> because of this film. Now, I've just been on IMDb and there's another Supergirl coming, I believe. Um, now, I don't it's, know if... It's been real for a while, yeah. It's, I, it might be the script stage, perhaps four. Yeah, I think it did. Yeah. I'm not sure what they're they're planning because we still don't know what they're planning with Superman. Mm. So it seems like this was kind of their safety net. If Cavill went, oh, I'm not doing anymore. I was just scrolling through Supergirl 2020. Um, oh no, it's five minutes. No, Do, oh, where is it? Oh yeah, 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 I'm getting to it now. 
Supergale Futility. Have you seen Stop. that? Pre-production. I'll put it in the group so you can yeah. have a look at it. I don't know what it is. I, I've only just found it now. It's hot off the press. You know, everyone who's listening to this is probably going, you fucking stupid. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but it looks like... Is that the same girl from the super girl that's on the telly? It's... No. Oh, what is it? it? It looks like either a fan film or, or, is it? or it's a fan an film. adaptation right. of season three of Supergirl from the TV. Yeah, yeah, it looks familiar. Because the it looks like the villain in, in that thing you've sent us is uh, the villain from series three of Supergirl, the TV oh, show. Also written by Mark out, take that. Oh, right. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> it's, not, it's not really, but <laughs> his name is Mark Owen. So, I mean, there's so much more they could do with this character. It's... It could. It's got the potential. When you look at the Marvel uh, female roles, who are all fabulous superheroes, and are you know stand up on their own merits rather than cowering and wanting to fall in love with a man, uh, Supergirl should be all about that. And she might be in the TV show. I don't know. I've never watched it. I've only ever. Uh, watched it. Well, I agree. There is scope for another big screen incarnation of her. I mean, we assume with Wonder Woman, the first one, that, that those female-led hero ones will work if you get the right casting and the right script. Yeah, I think it, it could be brilliant. Um, getting back to this film, weak script, uh, weak cast, um, everything about it is just weak. I did say 4.4. That is 4.4 out of 100. <laughs> the worst superhero film I've ever watched in my life. Oh, just... I can raise you. I can raise your worst ones, honest to God. Well, I've just watched X Men and X Men Two in the last few days, so. Oh. Yeah, we haven't you got X Three to come yet? <laughs> yeah. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So thank you guys. <laughs> oh, glad we featured it, Paul. Uh, yeah, so my first note was that Faye Dunaway was credited above Helen Slater, mm. which I, I never feels right when the lead character's not no. billed first. Not the first time, of course. I um, uh, said so, uh, Jerry Goldsmith composing this one. Um, I thought this looked better than Christopher Reeve's final two films. Mm. Um, I thought mm. it was shot, shot better than, than anything. Uh, I wrote, God, the actors in is atrocious. Peter O'Toole is matching Helen's wooden, woodenism. Um, I thought, thought it all felt a little very pans people <laughs> for, for a while. <laughs> Blimey, I'm amazed you even know who they are. Um, oh, no, I know pans people. Uh, I said the first mention of Cal came in not even 15 minutes. Um, I'm like, you're not going to show him, but you're going to talk about him, aren't you? Um, <laughs> so we knew that. Uh, um, then it came on to like the powers and the costume. Like the costume she was just wearing, it just appeared. Yeah. From nowhere, like she walked behind a tree, and was wearing it. Um, heat vision now makes plants grow. <laughs> Didn't know that. Um, she seemed to have mastered all her powers in minutes. Cal oh, took just... years. To learn that, that's what annoys me. But the other, the other thing was that um, 
did the like flight choreographers say to it, just like look as if you're trying to flap your arms to make yourself fly. The yeah. way she just sticks her arms out all the time. Yeah. It's uh, annoying. I said I quite like Goldsmith's score. I I thought the music mm. was all right. It was it was very oh, much like some of the work he's done at Disney Parks. Craig will attest to this. He did the uh the music for Soarin. All right, okay. Uh, um, so, so, so he did improve with age. Yeah. <laughs> um, I said the the wide shots for the flying scenes I quite liked. Um, the CGI was bad, but the uh, the camera work made up for it. Um, that was one of the better bits. The watch is a warning signal now. Um, just so completely contrived. Um, it didn't feel <laughs> like it, like a year one story. It didn't feel like an origin story at all. Mm. Um, no, it, it, it very much felt like year two, like she'd already learned everything and was just going straight into doing everything. Well, she goes home. Yeah. You know, so she doesn't hang around and carry on superhero. And... Yeah. Um, what else did I write? Um... All right, 37 years ahead of its time portraying a strong woman when she stands up to the rapist. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, then I got into the the, the whole villain and, and Jimmy appearing. Um, so I wrote, here comes Jimmy. <laughs> bit, of, <laughs> bit of a... Bit of a... Um, uh, Jack Nicholson there. Um, that was... He's clearly in there to give some sort of audience recognition, isn't he? To yeah, the he is. Um, I said the villain side of it is just meh. Um, then there was a whole section of the film when she's not in it for about 20 minutes. Yeah. That she just disappears. <laughs> um, the digger scene, why are the cars there uh, crashing that are nowhere <laughs> near it? Yeah. Just crashing into buildings when they're like 30 feet away from it. Um I can't even. Oh, there's a scene when people walking past. Yeah, <laughs> there's a walk. scene scene when one of the one of the actors bangs his head, and I'm not even sure he's meant to do it, <laughs> and it's fully in the shot. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, that's that's Hart Bockner in the Digger. Yeah, but I assume I assume the Digger was made of foam or something. Yeah. So. Um. Maybe that's why he falls in love with Supergirl. He's got a concussion. I yeah. took it that was deliberate. That's just a character trait. I took that shot. Yeah. Um, then I then I wrote the Lexism with the female companion. Despite the fact we got a female villain, she still had to have a female mm. companion. Well, um, just on that female companion, does anyone know who she is? Brenda Vaccaro. She's Joey's mum from Friends. <laughs> oh no, I hadn't from realized series that. One of, series yeah. one of Friends, that is Joey's mum. Yeah. Um, then I wrote um, that one of them has a Darkwing Duck line. Let's get serious. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> um, um, then I wrote that the villain had turned into Cruella de Vil. Oh, yeah. Um, what is with the animal prints? Yeah, no. Um, Then I wrote that Elliot is now dressed as Austin Powers (laughs) at the end. (laughs) Oh, the the end battle is very cheesy. The witchcraft is hokey, but doesn't really take away from the story. I could ignore it, but there wasn't much of a story anyway. Well, well, that that, uh, sort of, well, I say fight, you know, the bit where she's getting stretched. 
Yeah. Why, why? Why does that sort of demon villain thing look like a Power Rangers villain? Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, then I said, "Oh, a proper upskirt there." Uh, <laughs> Melissa Benoist would never stand for that these days. Um, oh, what's with the tiny Supergirl tornado? then i wrote not the greatest story ever but still feels like within the law of superman and dc it still felt like it fitted Mm. you could see that it definitely tied up to the other films um i wrote well not up to the standards of the first reef films it is better than the last one and deserved another shot rather than the one off i did feel like they could have they could have given it another chance Mm. is in that kind of genre when you've got these big like multiple film stories yeah with multiple characters it did feel like it could have it could have got another one despite yeah not being well, great yeah i think for me well before we get your score what i would have done in that film is have her sort of send it back somehow and stay on earth yeah yeah because it just goes old yeah I'd, I'd have her find a way to send it back on its own so she can learn to be a bit more about herself. I, I would imagine they'd just given up by that point. Mm. Once they'd seen some of the dailies and stuff, they probably went, just rewrite the end and send her I, home. I think it, I did read, it went through about four or five different script versions too, because the original script apparently had her trying to rescue Superman. It would fall fallen ill under Selena's magic. Yeah. And Reeve was lined up to appear in it, but bowed out just before filming. Probably read the script. <laughs> and uh, that would anything be like the one that he good. wrote, then... Yeah. <laughs> so, so what was your score on that, Paul? Uh, I actually wrote it ho- way higher than I should have done. I wrote down okay. 69, and I don't know why. Dude. Um, I probably should have written 59. That's still, that's still high to me. That's, that's still yeah. high. That's still three, out, three out of five, I, roughly. I, I went for 30 out of 100. I absolutely hated it. Yeah. Absolutely hated it. It, it was just. I mean, I'd give so the 2011 s- Green Lantern film higher than that. It was sexist yep. in the in the extreme. It was 1980s pure sexism. She, I mean, what superheroine did she do? She flew around on a crane. You could see she was on a crane, the way she was flying, and she didn't do anything really. I think she lasered the digger and like made a tornado. That's it. It it does miss in the script like, a scene a bit like Superman where she takes out some other villains or stuff beforehand. If that's missing for, for certainly. Or Superman, even just a big yeah, yeah, Superman's all about getting the tree, uh, the cat out the tree, and saving the aeroplane flying and. Pulling the boy out to build, yeah. And build. See, that's that's the other thing. You've got no opening scene where she goes off and saves something. Mm. Yeah, yeah. In fact, she makes it worse by basically killing her, killing her whole people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. We'll just we should open a window. We'll open the window of Argos. <laughs> I mean, where did living? Argos City. It was ridiculous. You know what it reminded me of. Underground, where um, what would you call the little puppets who lived in the lighthouse? Fraggle Rock. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
The funny the funny thing is, Craig, that's a real thing from the comics. Fucking hell. The, the, the thing is, I thought the... missing from the film. Considering where she she comes out from, is it they, they should have had a need a bit of under the sea. Helen <laughs> <laughs> Slater, the little mermaid. Before I get to my thoughts on it, the, uh, interesting stat, stat, uh, fact. Apparently, you know the scene where she comes out of the lake. Mm. Apparently, it's a photograph of her on a cutout. Oh my oh, god! Because I actually noticed you can see on the Blu-ray that there's a wire on the top of it. You can see this blue wire pulling it out of the water. Oh, I promised myself I wouldn't go back and watch this film for another 40 years, and now I'm going to have to just to you see that. back and watch that scene, aren't you, and see if you can spot it. Oh. Uh, um, yeah, so my thoughts on it, I, the first thing I'll get to is that I was impressed with the backlot for Midvale. Apparently, that was on in the same vicinity as what would like to become Gotham for Burton's Batman. Oh, nice. Mm. I think that looks really good, that whole Midvale set. Uh, a bit like Superman 2, where you, you would swear that they'd actually shot that in the in the backwater of America somewhere. I thought that was really impressive. Um, I like that little... It's a bit cheesy, but I like that floating ballet scene when she is luring her powers. It's quite well shot, I thought. Uh, and Paul picked it's up a bit on of cheese the, for me. the flight. No, I thought it was quite nice, actually. I'll admit <laughs> that. But it helps. You've got, you've got Goldsmith score in there as well. Probably sells it, I suspect. Which is the bit that was very similar to the stuff he's done for Disney. Mm. Uh, Like Paul, I thought that, yes, you can tell the flybys are still done on the screen, but they still look better than some of the stuff in 3 and 4, particularly (laughs) (laughs) 4, Superman 3 and 4. Nothing I picked up on, which this is probably showing my age a bit. I like the bit where, with that sort of invisible creature, it gives me sort of uh, vibes of a uh, Forbidden Planet or another old film, British film called Night of the Demon, which mm. both feature sort of similar creatures. And in fact, to me, it's probably one of the best bits of the film is that sequence. As I've said before, I, I like Slater in this, and I think she looks great in that unif- in that costume. But the wig she got for Linda Lee just didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> it, just, it just looks so incongruous. Uh, I think Paul's touch as well on Jerry Goldman's score. To me, because Goldsmith is one of my top three composers, and I think it's one of his best scores of the stuff that I've heard. It's got a lot of oomph, probably more oomph and a decent score than the film really deserves overall. <laughs> yeah. Um, and touching briefly on what Josh mentioned, that, that romance is a little bit dodgy when you wonder it. Because you're not quite sure, is she pretending to be schoolgirl age or is Kara schoolgirl age? And it's well, not that, really clear from the film. Yeah, that's the thing that worried me about it. It was the fact that when she's Linda Lee um, she, and she's got the brunette hair, she, why, why does she look like between 16 and 18? And this, as, as someone was saying about the 40-year-old guy, fancies her. But then when she is Supergirl with the blonde hair and the blue suit, she does she actually her look 20s, her own age. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just mm, weird. It's weird. It is weird. Um, now, now, the digger sequence, yes, it's ludicrous. But actually, again, I thought it was put together quite well. <laughs> Seeing this digger just, just <laughs> demolishing all these fake, fake buildings. I love that. Another <laughs> um, thing I noted, which was a little bit sort of, well, that's convenient, is, is how she can sort of 
Insta makeup and Insta costume. Oh, super clothes changing power. <laughs> yeah, because she, she sat there in, in the, I can't remember, whatever that vessel's called that gets her there. And like suddenly just the uniform, the, the costume appears and she's got a bit of nice makeup. Fair dues. That's, that's real proper Instagram stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Tony's been uh, yeah, experimenting uh, with the filters on Instagram again. <laughs> Really, my overall thought on the film is there are some nice elements in there, like the Phantom Zone. Uh, I say the, the score, one or two of the visuals. But it's a film that's in, in need of a decent script and a decent origin story. Uh, like I said a minute ago, it, it shouldn't have ended with her going back home. They should have used it to fill the gap with the convenience that Superman had gone on his multi-trillion mile away light year mission or whatever it was. Uh, just to explain the fact that Reed wasn't in there. And they could have then spun off a series of films, but of course, because it flopped, that sort of did it in. And I'm surprised yeah, they despite all them. that, yeah, well, it's, I think it was a combination of things. I'll say it'll be interesting to go back and watch the, um, the director's cut at some point, see yeah. whether the film makes any more coherent sense. Because the, the ending is completely bizarre at times. <laughs> Like Paula mentioned, the, the sort of the tornado, and, the, and and then you think, well, hang on, are she sent them into the phantom zone, or are they just stuck in the mirror, or are they croaked it, or and and also that like Brenda Vaccaro's character sort of gets a worse fate than Peter Cook, where he's the one that's really pushed her, pushed Selena to where she is, and he kind of kind of gets out of it. So again, that touches what crazy. It's a little bit sexist in the way that it treats the sidekick female and it's questionable whether she deserves the same fate as selena which is i wasn't really comfortable with when cook's character was a bigger villain of the three and yet despite all its flaws it's better than superman 4 <laughs> um and i just like the it's fun it's, it's stupid at times but it's got two central females at its core which was rare in a film in those days and I am going to give it a solid 70. Wow. Just because what? Just because <laughs> I have fun with it whenever I watch it. Yes, it's ludicrous. Yes, it's what ropey. Sock? <laughs> <laughs> but I have seen a lot worse films, and I probably will see a lot worse films for years to come. <laughs> so there we are. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> And on that note, cue the music. Uh, well, I don't know. We should, I suppose, Paul, do you want to sort of just mention what we're looking to do next? Yep. So next month's show, we are going to review WandaVision once it is finished. <sighs> so it will be finished in the next couple of weeks. So beginning of next month, we will try and get our, our review out. Um, but then after that, we are going to do weekly reviews of The Falcon and Winter Soldier. <gasps> So we'll keep on top of it rather than just doing one big one. We are going to do a weekly yep. review yes. over the couple of days after the the episodes. Yeah, like we did with Jessica that. Jones a couple of years ago. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm working my way through the stuff that I didn't finish on Netflix. So I'm still halfway through Daredevil Season 3. Huh? So good. I don't half miss these characters. <laughs> so good. Well, hopefully oh, you, you might won't get be your missing wish in, uh, for too long. Yeah. 
Yeah, we're getting Daredevil back by all the accounts. Oh, we don't know how long for and how many scenes, but... Oh, fingers crossed. Come on, boys. <laughs> and whether whether it'll be Daredevil, or I suspect it will probably be as Matt Murdock. Yeah, I imagine we're going to see him as Matt first. Mm. Yeah. I think the most likely place that we will see him as Daredevil again will be She-Hulk. Mm. But, I mean, we're going to go off on one now, but if... Yeah, come on. <laughs> If Disney Star is now a thing, which it will be by the next episode, can't them adult Marvel just be plonked into that? Well, that's the rumour for Punisher. Oh, that Punisher is going to appear there at some point. Because what, what? all along, Burnthal was the one that they wanted to keep, by all accounts. He was the first one they spoke to about coming back right when it all finished. So, because there's a Punisher season two, isn't there, that I need yeah. to watch? And that's, is that the last one of all yeah. of them? Yeah. yeah. So you're telling me there's a Punisher season three rumoured to well, be coming to Disney Star? the way Star. things are going, though, I suspect Paul might agree, it would more likely be a Punisher season one. <gasps> yeah. A reboot? Yeah. yeah, because the way things are going now, any character we've come across before will be multiverse. Hmm. So they could all come back as Jessica Jones was Jessica they, Jones. They've spoken about her coming back as well. Yeah. It seems I think like the only, the, two, the only two that they didn't want to come back was Iron Fist and Luke Cage. And there's an easy way to reboot them. Yeah, very. To come in with Spider Man. Exactly. <sighs> mm. oh, like they geez. have done in the cartoons. I think quite like Luke Cage. I thought he was a boss Luke Cage. Yeah, I didn't think he was yeah, bad. He, but he I, was, yeah. I think the, the story weakest... kind of kiboshed him. Yeah, he is backed into a corner. Um, but, I mean, Iron Fist, he was a whiny little bitch. And he's come <laughs> out He's come out this week and said that the plan was that he would have been full-on Iron Fist in season three. Oh. That he was actually going to fully control his powers once he got them back. Well, I sort of want to see that now. Come on, Disney. Come on, <laughs> Disney. Give us a game. Well, yeah, my thing is just as we're wrapping things up, just to say that it's going to sort of the multiverse is going to allow, regardless of what what people may or may not think of the of the, the Fox buyout, it's going to allow Mar- Marvel Disney a chance to wipe the slate clean, move all those characters to where they want them to be, just throw everybody else's multiverse, and that really, in some ways, can only be a good thing. I'd have, I'd have thought narratively, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Because it allows them to do stories with characters in other places. Yeah. Like oh, Sony could Sony could fuck off and do a Spider-Man film with Andrew Garfield or Tobey Maguire. And it wouldn't matter because mm. Tom Holland would still be in the MCU. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that, I've just had a shiver. I've literally I, just had a shiver. I was gonna shiver. say Craig's having orgasms there. I mean, because because Sony are quite savvy as well. I think I think they realise which side their bread's buttered on now. Yeah, and that's why a, a man that's been in the in the news for superhero reasons all week is Jared Leto. And he's come out and said that he expects to face off against Blade at some point. Mm. That'll be great. Morbius. Mm. Um, so for anyone that didn't also see that they released his new look as Joker this week. Um, that's a strange Joker, that. Uh, yeah, uh, it's about time, isn't it? And uh, yeah, basically, yeah. Schneider's just gone. I really don't give a shit about what he did before. <laughs> We're just or or the fact Thank that God, Leto, yeah. Leto's come in and gone. You know what? 
not cutting my hair. Keep off the hair. The thing um, is, though, I'm starting to really come around on long-haired jokers. Yeah. I, 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 I won't lie. I didn't like it for Heath Ledger. I obviously loved Heath Ledger's performance, but I didn't like the long hair because I was always used to uh, Jack Nicholson and the Mark Hamill cartoon version. But then I saw that and I was like, oh, I don't like the long hair, but the performance is great. And then as time's gone on, you just appreciate it so much more. Yeah. And mm. he's getting a scene with Affleck. Yeah, thank Which God. is what we all wanted. So it's it's come that full circle. They're both going to be able to say goodbye to their characters having actually faced off against each other. So, mm. we'll see. I'm, uh, as I said, I'm not overly bothered by the Schneider Cup. I'll take it or leave it. Um, yeah. I don't think it's going to be that much different, to be honest. Um, there's, there's only so much you can do with stuff that's been said and done with for three years. Um, I'll give it a go. I'll watch it if I can get hold of it. But hey, yeah, it's yeah, it's one of those things I'm not going to go out my way to sort of watch and find it. If I find it, I find it sort of if it's on, it's on sort of thing. Uh, right, well, I think that probably wraps it up, doesn't it, gents? I think it does. So. Oh, not all. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> we'll thank you for contributing, and we'll be back next month with our look at. One division. One division. <laughs> Cheerio. Stay safe. Don't watch Supergirl. This podcast is part of the After Dark Podcast Network.